Good evening, and welcome to the Stage Ghost Podcast, featuring writing, teaching, and theater thoughts on the ride home with your driver and host, Brian Humphrey. And we're back. It's been a little while. We had summer break, and uh, things got, you know, as busy like they do um, right near the end of the year, and uh, I have about three listeners at the moment, so... Uh, they happen to also be my students who, uh, said that I was a little mean to them about the zombie episode, which I thought was really funny. So, um, they were asking me to do another one and they actually had a request. So what they were asking me to talk about is auditioning and we have an audition coming up for our fall play and auditions are one of those things that take place year round. So... What do you need to know when you go into an audition? In class today, one of the things that came up was who does the director look at? Now in this case, the auditions that we're doing, there's a lot of different types of auditions, right? So the first thing that you need to know when you're auditioning for a show and you've done a little bit of research into uh, the characters, what's available, are there any that match you in any way or any that you are interested in playing? I mean, that's that in and of itself is probably step number one is um, why are you auditioning for the show? Are you auditioning because you want to be a part of something? Are you auditioning because you actually know the show and you're excited about playing a particular character? Um, and then you have to start really defining what your type is. Does that mean that you can't play outside your type? Of course not. You can play outside your type. You can um, play any character that a director is willing to cast you as. But oftentimes you will have a much stronger audition if you have a really good idea of how other people see you, of what your actual strengths are, and um, what you can do to boost those uh, and enhance those qualities that um, are going to give you the best chance possible in order to possibly get that role. So that's step number one, right? And you can't go after a role that, no, I should, I should say instead, not you can't. You should really try to focus your energies on the roles that you care about, right? Um, and once you know your type and you actually accept your type and you start to have fun with it and, and uh, you know, for instance, my type tends to be um, somewhat of a thief, rogue, um, sidekick, comedic relief with a dark edge, like that kind of a character. Um, not the, the leading man. That's not me. Uh, I played it one time and it just didn't, it felt like wearing somebody else's skin and it didn't feel good. Um, and so I don't really, I don't even try for those anymore because I know that if it's a director who is actually looking at the qualities that I bring to a role, they're not going to cast me as that anymore. You know? um, now the father, the father role, I play that frequently. I, I am now of that age. And when I was in high school, I played the father a lot because I was the only kid in high school with a full beard. So, uh, so that tended to be the role that I was cast in. So you, because we're talking about you and, and you know, what you need to do to audition, um, 
you need to find something that you think is going to be comfortable that you are going to enjoy. Okay, good. Point made. Moving on to the next thing. What type of audition is it? Um, some auditions, many auditions, are come up with your own monologue. Not make up your own monologue, but choose one. Choose a monologue. And bring that to the audition. Um, if you do that, if that's the type of audition that it is, then there's a whole set of rules around what uh, makes for a good monologue choice. Um, and I know that I, I get a lot of requests for this, um, and that's not the type of audition that we're doing for this particular fall play, but I think it needs to be gone into just a little bit because this is the type of thing that you're going to do when you're auditioning for college or for um, other programs, for scholarships, for um, a company like you know, Open Stage Theater Company, Bob Blue, um, the company, some of the companies in Denver. When you're auditioning to become uh, what to become invited um, to then audition for the actual shows, some some places do that where they do a general audition. You need to bring a monologue, and usually it's about one minute. Sometimes it's um, something less than three minutes. And uh, most of the time, directors know within the first 30 seconds whether or not they can use you for anything. So the first 30 seconds, you have to bring it. You have to show them something. You have to engage your, your audience. Um, other things to know is uh, don't use a story monologue. Story monologues are the ones that the character suddenly launches into a memory, something that happened in the past. Um, they're sitting there and talking to their best friend and they're offering some expositional information that then is used in some metaphorical way to uh, relate to what's happening at that particular moment in the play. They're boring. Um, they are not engaging. And part of the, the problem with them is that when a director is looking to cast you or to choose you for something. We want to see conflict. And um, conflict that happens in a past story is very passive conflict. It's something that already happened. The, the character is no longer in danger, right? Um, so the conflict needs to be with whoever it is that they're actually talking to on the stage. And that's a different kind of monologue. It's a sit down and listen to me, it's my turn to talk type monologue. And suddenly that's much more engaging. And again, what was the, the rule for the first 30 seconds of a monologue? That's the amount of time that it takes for a director to know whether or not they're going to use you, and you need to engage them. So you want to use the most engaging material possible. Okay, good. So you need to select a monologue. You select one that is engaging, that is um, showing conflict between your character and the other character that's on the stage at that particular moment that you're talking to. Um, and it's a... Uh, it can be... Um, something that is aggressive. It can be something that is an admission of guilt. It can be um, a confession of love. It can be a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be severe and, and deadly and um, negative, right? Okay, so that's the monologue audition. There's a lot more to it, but we're we're just kind of covering the basics here for this first one. And then maybe we'll focus in on a specific one and have an entire episode dedicated to each one of those down the line. So the next one is a cold read. Um, sometimes it's a cold read of a monologue. 
And if it's a cold read, then it's typically a, a side, what we call a side, which is a, a piece of the script from the actual show that you're auditioning for. And this is great for directors who um, they have an idea of what they're looking for. And so they may have three or four different sides um, and they want to see you and maybe be able to direct you a little bit within your audition. It shows them a few different things. Number one, it shows them, did you prepare? Did you research? Are you looking into the characters at all um, to see how they've been portrayed previously? I've met a lot of actors in my career who they don't want to watch the previous performances because they don't want it to manipulate or color or um, to, uh, what's the word? They don't want it to influence their performance, their own performance. Um, and sometimes I get that, but most of the time, you know, if you're looking at enough different sources and you're pulling from different sources and then you're internalizing them and you're saying, okay, I can totally see why they made that acting choice. I'm going to do the same thing, but now I'm going to put my own little twist on it. You're never going to 100% duplicate someone else's performance. And so you're not in danger of that, right? Um, so yeah, anyway, research it, look at how other people perform things. It may actually help you understand the text better. Um, as a director who is working with, uh, actors who have never seen this material before, and it's the first time that they've ever looked at it. One of the things that I see all the time, um, are mistakes where they read something incorrectly. Um, they uh, don't put the right emphasis on the right word in the sentence and it totally changes the meaning of the sentence. Sometimes I've been pleasantly surprised where I go, oh, that's interesting and it could go in that direction. That's not the way that I had read it. Most of the time it's, okay, that's somebody who has never read this sentence before and they didn't come in very prepared. Which leads me to the next thing and this is maybe also equally important preparation of the the script itself if you're doing a true cold read you're not receiving the sides or the script pieces until you get there um, sometimes you have a few minutes to put it together sometimes you're handed a script and asked to read it right away and if that's the case then obviously everyone is going to bumble a little bit and the director is going to make an allowance for that however sometimes you get the sides ahead of time and the director will say something like, um, I want you to be familiar with the, with the text, but you don't have to be memorized. Memorize it. Always memorize it. Put in the effort, put in the time, memorize it as best you can, because if you don't, your partner, whoever they partner you with, will. It's Murphy's Law. Okay? So... You can't sit down and go, oh, it's okay. They said it doesn't have to be memorized, so I'll just read through it three or four times. Not a big deal. Um, don't take the chance because if the other person is memorized, they are already going to appear more dynamic. They can look at you. They can look around the room. They can be more emphatic with their gestures. They can be more engaged with the character. They're not having to look at the script. They don't run the risk of losing their place or saying the wrong line and then having to say, oh, I'm sorry, and then going back and falling out of character. So always memorize. Here's the caveat. You don't wanna be over-memorized. If you're over-memorized, you have put in some kind of movement or blocking to it, 
which is good. It's good to move around. It's good to gesture. It's good to connect to the, to the text, but you have to always remain directable. You have to be willing to listen to the director. You have to be willing to react to your partner. And for me as a director, that's one of the things that I look for the most is how well are you actually taking in what the other person is saying? Acting is reacting. Acting, the hard part of acting, is the part that you do when you are not speaking. So you have to be willing to react to your partner. And um, one of the things that I do is I mix people up. I'll bring somebody in um, who maybe this person has never worked with before and try to kind of throw them off a little bit and give them a completely different thing to react to. Especially if I see that uh, two people are playing one character completely differently, that gives me then people that I can play other people off of. So just a few tips. Um, the ride is over. So thank you for uh, hanging out with me on the ride home and audition well. This stream of Ride Home Consciousness is inspired in part by my good friend and brilliant voice actor, Dave Robison, whose own podcast can be found on his professional website at butterymanvoice.com. I'm your driver and host, Brian Humphrey, and as always, it's been a great ride, but it's time for the stage ghost to get some sleep. To all a good night.